is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. The battle against anti-Semitism and hate, partnering with law enforcement, is a key tool. It has been so for many decades, which has resulted in deep relationships. Moreover, it is a two-way relationship with both sides helping the other. But how does this look day to day? I've asked my colleague Rachel Grinspan to join me on today's show to describe how this key set of relationships works across the nation. She's ADL's Director of Law Enforcement Policy and Civil Rights. Welcome, Rachel, too, from the front lines. Hi, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. So, Rachel, it may seem obvious, but I want to start by asking why. Why is it so important that an organization such as ADL has a strong relationship with law enforcement? Yeah, I think it's a really good uh, place to start. Obviously, our organization is in the trenches fighting anti-Semitism and extremism and a hate of all kinds. And it is certainly critical that we impart all of our knowledge, our resources and best practices for fighting all of those uh, threats that we provide them to a variety of stakeholders, including law enforcement, because that ultimately helps them understand these issues, and that ultimately helps them better protect our communities uh, and keeping us safe from from all of these potential threats. And certainly, as we've seen, uh, anti-Semitism and acts of hate and bias incidents on the rise right now, it's it's even more important that we provide this resource uh, to law enforcement agencies uh, around the country. Of course, ADL's regional offices work every day with law enforcement in responding to acts of anti-Semitism and and all forms of hate. But what are some other ways that ADL and law enforcement uh, connect? There are are a variety of ways that we uh, tend to engage and work with law enforcement. Like you just mentioned, sometimes it's in response to incidents that may be happening on the ground, whether that's a hate crime incident, a bias uh, crime, uh, or an extremist activity. Um, But the larger portion of the programs that we work with law enforcement focus on educational and professional development opportunities to educate law enforcement agencies and officers on what hate crimes may be and kind of issues are surrounding that and violent extremism so that they can enhance the way that their capacity is to potentially prevent or respond to hate crimes. And that allows them to be better prepared to keep our community safe and address the threats um, in an appropriate manner. And the other way that we work with law enforcement focuses on providing information from our Center on Extremism. And our analysts and, and researchers provide really in-depth backgrounders and pieces of information on extremist groups, extremist threats, and ideologies, and kind of allow law enforcement to understand what, what do these threats look like, because we want to ensure that they are helping our communities Uh, stay safe. And if they don't have that knowledge, then they're in a worse position to be able to address and help their community members if they are being targeted in the first place. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. Tell us about the professional uh, development opportunities that uh, ADL offers to law enforcement. One of them is focused on hate crimes and one of them focuses on the issue of violent extremism. Another opportunity that we we offer also is um, what I think is a really impactful and unique program called Law Enforcement and Society. This is a partnership program that we run um, in conjunction with the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. And this is an opportunity to examine the role of policing under the Nazis during the Holocaust. And it allows law enforcement officers to look at the implications of that history and, and what that means for law enforcement in today's 
democratic society. It's a larger picture program, and certainly it's not necessarily geared towards uh, individual hate crime or bias incidents, but we have a larger perspective here, which allows them to take a look at what their oath to protect and serve everyone really means and what that means uh, to be able to uphold from their profession the democratic values and making sure that they're ready and prepared to serve um, and protect everyone in their society. And it's so impactful. Uh, we've had thousands of officers come through this program from a local, state, and national level that all new agents and analysts within the FBI, when they start their training, are required to go through the program uh, in the first place. So I think it's a really unique opportunity to kind of understand from a from historical perspective why good policing uh, and holding officers accountable um, is so important. Now, maybe we should take a second to talk about the importance of something like the Law Enforcement Society program at this moment in time when uh, law enforcement seems to uh, be under the spotlight a bit. Uh, maybe maybe elaborate on that. Absolutely. So first, I also want to just acknowledge that the Yom HaShoah for Holocaust Remembrance Day, and I think that, you know, it's a unique moment to be talking about having officers talk about um, and think about the, the effects and the devastating real-world consequences of, of, you know, Nazi Germany uh, and, and the war in the first place. But I, I think also more importantly, you know, when we think about law enforcement, we have to acknowledge that, um, they take on an added role of responsibility in our society when you swear to protect and serve everyone. And that, with that requires the, the uh, importance of making sure that they are being held accountable. And a lot of the programs that we talk about and that we have conversations with law enforcement, we talk about improving uh, relationships with the communities they serve because we do acknowledge that it is challenging at a time when we're aware that there are plenty of, of folks out there. There are communities and there are people who are understandably um, hesitant, they're distrustful, and they do, don't feel comfortable speaking to the police, uh, going to them in the wake of an incident or for assistance. And so part of our conversations talk about um, what agencies can do to help repair that. I think it says a lot about ADL that we've built this trust with law enforcement over so many years that we can we can have these meaningful conversations with them. So um, uh, you mentioned that uh, all of the FBI recruits go through this law enforcement and society training, and that's uh, that's pretty remarkable uh, that uh, that we've built that connection with uh, the FBI. You know, we've been doing this program for over I think at least twenty two years. Um, and, you know, we, the, the feedback that we got was, was really remarkable. And we continue to see this making an impact. And I think it really speaks volumes that from, a, you know, a, a large standing federal organization like the FBI has uh, taken this on as part of a required training opportunity in which these agents and analysts really get a firsthand view um, and really have to discuss some hard, some hard things, right? And it's not an easy conversation, um, but it, it is really important and critical to ensuring that our law enforcement officers are prepared to serve and protect everyone and they understand the, the seriousness with which they've, they've taken on this profession. And I can tell you from the perspective of a local office, a regional office of, of ADL, we work really closely with the FBI, so much so that our office, uh, ADL New York, New Jersey, will be receiving the Director's Community Leadership Award from the FBI in, uh, in just a few weeks in Washington. So really, really important ties there to help keep our communities safe. How many members of law enforcement receive this type of professional development overall from ADL each year? 
typically we would train, uh, we'll, we'll have programs like these for officers, um, sometimes between 10 and 15,000 a, a year really is obviously dependent. Um, but we really strive to reach all, lo- you know, many local, state, and federal agencies. And so, you know, we recognize that uh, a lot of times people don't have necessarily touch points, right, with an, with an FBI office but they do have a touch point with their local police department, um, their local sheriffs. And so it's important for us to be able to try to reach um, all levels of law enforcement to ensure that, you know, we're having these conversations and trying to impart the information, you know, because we see so much, uh, so much increase in reported hate crime, you know, numbers as well. And so we're trying uh, the best that we can to be able to impart all these resources to help law enforcement be better situated to help protect our communities um, and, and keep everybody safe. Yeah, and I, I know uh, we, we often say that we're the largest non-governmental trainer of, uh, of law enforcement, so this, uh, this really speaks to that. Now, tell us a bit about this role where ADL is the intelligence arm of the Jewish community, providing intelligence to law enforcement. In what ways do we do that? I'm sure some of your, your listeners have heard about our Center on Extremism, but um, we have agents and analysts uh, and researchers that really take some deep looks at uh, extremist movements and extremist groups and ideologies. Um, and they're looking at, you know, what the landscape looks like right now for extremist threats. And and we provide some of that information to law enforcement. Some of it is proactive, and we'll provide briefings about topical uh, uh, areas related to extremist activity and, and violent extremism. Um, and some of it will unfortunately have to be reactive in the wake of an incident. So there are times where we will work with law enforcement agencies um, after something unfortunately has happened. Um, and many times we try to reach them earlier so that they're better prepared to understand what may be happening in a local jurisdiction that maybe they didn't necessarily know uh, as deeply about. And so we're able to provide some some additional detail and context on those those things. And I know we, we also provide tips uh, to make sure that law enforcement has all the information they can. Right. And so we're, we're able to kind of hopefully fill in some information gaps, um, whether it's online or offline, because we do also, you know, focus on whether there are sometimes things with cyber cyber crime and uh, cyber threats and things like that, because we know that there's sometimes um, there's there's threats in both areas. And so we try to work to ensure that law enforcement has the most uh, up to date information available um, about these these areas and these groups uh, to help keep the community safe. Uh, well, Rachel, ADL's work with uh, law enforcement is so important to the civil rights work that we do. Um, thank you for being on the show to describe it, and thank you for all you do all year with our law enforcement professionals. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. I appreciate it. And a big thank you to the listeners uh, who tuned into From the Frontlines, uh, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.